Hey there, this is a message for any listeners who might uh, be able to access the North American Midwest. Uh, we're going to be appearing at the Ohio Game Developers Expo. That's right. Gary and I are uh, going to be doing a talk about Dark Souls. Uh, that is currently scheduled for 1 o'clock on Saturday, November the 7th uh, at the COSI Center in Columbus, Ohio. That time is subject to change, so watch their website and our social channels for uh, details on that. We're going to be doing a little bit of meetup stuff around the event uh, up in Columbus and then down here in Cincinnati. So watch our social channels for that again. You can find information about this uh, conference at ohiogamedevexpo.com. Once again, that is the weekend of November the 7th and 8th at the COSI Center in Columbus, Ohio. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And I'm Steve Gaynor. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a hunter's favorite. Yes, and this week we are talking about uh, the unseen village of Yahar Ghoul. Um, and as you heard, we are joined by Steve Gaynor uh, from Fulbright. Um, hey <laughs> no, uh, by the way, so that was me. Uh, I'm, I'm recording from uh, the Fulbright offices, which are uh, very near the train tracks in uh, southeast Portland. So uh, you may occasionally hear some some uh, a little bit of a uh, addition of some. I, I really hope that was a, was a soundboard. Like that was your Arsenio Hall esque. Like. Yeah, it sounded like a like a like a soap opera organ sting. I wish that I was that. I wish I was that much of a weirdo that i was just like all right what i'm gonna do is when they introduce me i'm just gonna hit this air horn because that's yeah. cool <laughs> wrong it's not cool uh anyway sorry about the train but uh yeah recording coming to you from the from the full office is excited to talk about uh, my experience with with bloodborne yeah well we're super excited to have you here i mean we're big fans of uh the work you guys have done and excited about what's uh what's coming up Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Yep. Uh, at least Gary is local. So it's, it's mm -hmm. cool to do stuff with other uh, Portland folks. So yeah. yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was, it was a real, it was a real pleasure to meet you. The, if uh, somehow you could crystallize all the, the amount of time that I've spent talking sugar um, about both, uh, <laughs> both Minerva's Den and Gone Home, um, <laughs> it would be embarrassing. Like if, if I would have presented that to you, like if it, followed me in like i was that old lady in labyrinth and i just had this huge right. version of all of all of the praise it would it would have been undignified because yeah. the uh, people who listen to our shows can can attest that we've, we've yeah. spent a lot of time talking sugar about that stuff i have yeah. a thing that you signed up on my wall oh yeah. nice yeah. The, one of the tacoma prints yes awesome well thank <laughs> you for grabbing one of those yeah yeah we're we're both really looking forward to it and we're both both big fans so great yeah super cool to have you on the show and obviously our work has so much in common with the Souls games that it's I, just an obvious fit for me. <laughs> I assumed you guys are going to move in a real dark direction. Yeah. yeah home, but, and just, the kind of crushing futility is. We've been working on a really good You Died screen. Yep. It's just, just going to be ruthless. Yeah, uh, constant fail states. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Can, can you uh, speak a little bit to um, your history with like souls and how you got into uh, souls and specifically Bloodborne? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, it was, it was kind of a long road for me in that I bought a PS3, um, because my friend Chris, Chris Remo was talking up uh, Demon Souls and I was like, all right, I'll buy this PS3 and I'll play Demon Souls on it now. And then I'll just have a PS3 for when Last Guardian comes out. <laughs> uh, so owned. Um, but I, I played Demon Souls and I and, you know, like I was intrigued by it and respected it. But it was like to me anyway, so inaccessible, like a lot of it was like the hub um, structure it was just sort of like you just kind of have to randomly find the section to go into that you're the right level for. It just felt like very, uh, it felt more anti-player in, <laughs> in a way than like the successive games did. So I played some of Demon's Souls, but I never really um, made very much progress into it. And then, um, you know, when Dark Souls came out, um, people were raving about it and it sounded... Um, you know, like a really uh, great progression from Demon Souls, and I picked that up, and I I've played a lot of it. I've played multiple characters up to a certain point, but the game just always ended up wearing me down. Like the first time that I quit, it won't surprise you, was at the um, the archers in um, in uh, uh, Anne Orlando. I was Absolutely. just like, yep. I'm like, all right, you know what? Game, you win. Good job. You beat me. <laughs> So I, never, so, so I never finished Dark Souls, though I, I've put a lot of time into it, and I've, I've played through up to that point or close to it multiple times. And um, and so when Bloodborne came out, um, Bloodborne is the reason I bought a PS4, so good job <laughs> selling hardware uh, from, soft, from software uh, for Sony. But um, uh, Bloodborne, I, I, I did play on launch day and and it's the first souls game that i can report that i successfully actually completed all the way through and it was really satisfying and i really love the um the like very kind of self-indulgent victorian (laughs) gothic aesthetic of the game um and the the focus on like increasing the pace and, and having more aggressive gameplay i thought was a really uh cool direction for the series so um you know, kind of by default, I guess. Um, uh, uh, Bloodborne is—I don't know. I mean, I don't—I I, I guess I don't know if Bloodborne or Dark Souls is my favorite of the series. I never played Dark Souls two, but Bloodborne I certainly um, kind of got the full experience of uh, more so than than any of the other games in the series that I played. So, I also had the cool experience of I was streaming. Bloodborne um, for a lot of it while I was playing it the first time through and it felt like a good balance because the people in the chat that I was streaming with they weren't like giving me like they, they weren't guiding me in a way that it felt like I was cheating or anything um, but they did kind of point out some secret areas that I probably never would have found um, on my own along the way so I feel like I really got to see a full kind of spectrum of what the game had to offer on my first playthrough by virtue of sort of the, uh, the, the audience uh, saying, Oh, Hey, you should uh, try jumping down off that ledge. Maybe there's something cool <laughs> down there, you know, <laughs> so, like yeah, hypothetically pretty... or were they just goading you on? <laughs> um, I don't think they ever straight up trolled me. Okay. <laughs> it, it was always just like really obscure. Like, um, like I wouldn't have, I mean, uh, I don't think you guys have covered this yet, but um, there's the whole, um, there's the part in Bloodborne 
where uh, you can get like the dolls outfit, you know, um, mm-hmm. where you go into the the dolls world or whatever um, that you have to jump down a bunch of really obscure um, tiny platforms to find the entrance to um, and stuff like that, where I'm like, Oh wow. I, I never would have known that was there if there weren't people that had like read the strategy guide or whatever <laughs> saying, yeah. Hey, you should try to go to this weird area that you wouldn't have known about otherwise. Yeah. The, the, the thing about these games is that they, they have that uh, built in kind of collaborative aspect to, to Yeah. Them. And that's always been a thing. Like I think it was it was either Dark Souls or Demon Souls where the wiki was was hosted by by the people who made the game. Like they wanted people to share that information and recreate yeah. that that kind of sense. And that's that's really inherent and it's part of what we try to do. Yeah. And then also just uh, kind of being involved in the the community is uh, that collaborative effort. And that's something that yeah. we're really into. Well, you know, I'm sure it's it's not anything that's news to you guys, but. Um that's part of what really makes the souls games feel like a legitimate um, successor to like the original ethos of the Zelda games was mm-hmm. that Miyamoto, you know, put in secrets in the game with no pointers to them. Cause he was like, I want kids on the schoolyard to have to like collaborate and tell each other about how to find the dungeons and stuff like that. And dark souls seems very much, I mean, especially with the messages you can leave, you know, cryptic messages you can leave for each other to point <laughs> out, you know, hidden walls and stuff like that. Um, it's very much in that spirit, which is really cool. Yeah. Super, super, super rad. <laughs> I think, I think that your, your story echoes like a lot of people, like we, we either talk to people who haven't played bloodborne because they don't have a PS4 or mm-hmm. we, I also talk to people who have only played Bloodborne. Yeah, um, right. And you're not, you know, exactly in that situation. But people who have had the the most rich or the most complete experience with Bloodborne, um, just because it was a system seller and it was kind of the new, new hotness. I I find it harder than the previous games in the series. But I don't know if that's just because I'm used to the older, yeah. older yeah. games. Have to learn that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure because I feel like um, I feel like it can both be more difficult like in a single combat encounter but also have fewer points in the progression of like the campaign that just make you want to give up you know (laughs) you know what i mean like there's there are definitely some sections in bloodborne where like you're constantly taking um like sanity damage or whatever but nothing on the scale of um of uh blight town or whatever yeah. where it's just like stand in poison for hours <laughs> you know? yeah. so I, I feel like they kind of uh step back from some of the really abusive higher level things just in like their level design and quest design um kind of i think to make room for having the combat be um be more of a challenge unto itself you know like it, it feels like it has more of a focus on almost like you know ninja gaiden e combat in a way that the prior games mm-hmm. didn't which is yeah. cool to see so yeah the uh the comparison we made was like um like a platinum game or like a mm-hmm. you know like a god hand or, or bayonet or something right. like that yeah it's good kind of take some some cues from that yep for sure yeah um cool what did we uh what did we do last time well last time we took a side trip into a land of nightmares and we fought this gigantic spider thing uh actually a great one <laughs> called amygdala uh sick pr- pronunciation there um, <laughs> and after slaying her we were sure to be done with her kind her and her kind rather forever and ever no, we'll never see those again nope we never saw them before uh, the, uh, the uh yeah and so so heading into the village we got a couple of things we're gonna some cleanup we're gonna do before then but um just as far as what what this place actually is and and it should be noted like we we dipped in here before when we you know went to the jail yeah. Um, you know, which and you can get there kind of being through uh, through the lanky bagman 
um, and kidnap you. But this is the village proper, and this is uh, kind of a sealed-off portion of Yarnum um, that was founded by the School of Mensis, which, uh, as we mentioned before, is not necessarily a literal institution of learning. <laughs> it's kind of a way of thought or like a philosopher's club or something like that. You can't get uh, a full ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, if you're roommate in the School of Mensis, guys, uh, <laughs> you get a full ride. The, um, you get a sack so, full of eyeballs. Yeah, <laughs> a full ride of eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a, full, a full ride to, uh, to the eyeball you store. Get a lifetime supply, <laughs> i.e., two. Um, <laughs> so this is uh, this is part of the the upper echelon of the church, and the other one being the choir. We're going to deal with them fairly soon. Um, and the choir is dedicated to communing with these great ones through blood menstruation. Mensis uh, turned this entire ward of the city into this carnal house for uh, essentially creating, doing this Mensis ritual that we see referenced. And uh, either kind of creating their own great ones, which we see in the, the kind of boss of this area, you know, what, what I kind of view to be an attempt at that. And then also uh, just manipulating the nightmare itself. And that, that leads into the, uh, really the end game where we end up in the, the end game. Yeah. With uh, Mikolash, the, uh, the leader of this. We, we don't meet mm-hmm. here, but we will run into later. Yeah. We kind of, we kind of meet him here. Yeah, we, we meet him as yeah. a sense. Yeah, yeah, we meet him in meat space. <laughs> so, so there's a thesis for this section, you know, specifically coming hot off the heels of, you know, slaying Rom back there in, in, in Bergenworth. It's that all bets are off, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a little bit where things start going off the rails, both narratively, you know, the veil is dropped. Um, and also kind of like from a from a gameplay point of view, if you recall back to like the very beginning of the game when you were, you know, kind of dying by that uh, crucifixion fire in Central Yarnum over and over again, this really feels like them trying to match that again mm-hmm. because Yarnum is, you know, everybody's in full on frenzy and they're throwing everything they have at you and turning this place into a war zone. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's so dense, like with <laughs> with 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 enemies and and hazards. Yeah, um, I, yeah. There, there's a there's a section of it. Um, I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but the section of the level between where you come back out of like the kind of church cathedral area, and then there's just this gauntlet between that point and where you get to the 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 one reborn Mm -hmm. where i don't think that i ever passed through that section without just sprinting through it (laughs) because i'm just like there's no way i'm surviving this if i try to fight but i can i can dodge past these freaks just to try to take another shot at the boss but yeah it just feels overwhelming in a way that i think is very unique to this section of the game and that's a theme actually in a lot of the responses that we get from listeners uh on 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 this episode and on this area is that uh, even though even if they are the most disciplined souls players who uh kind of take things slow and soak in the details um they ended up running here (laughs) (laughs) right and that kind of plays into a little bit of the horror because this is such a striking area visually um and if you are kind of getting most of it in blurs and flashes uh during a sprint then that uh you know you never get a straight look at it yeah in the so in the progression that you guys are following here um you did visit this area earlier when you got kidnapped by the by the bag man yeah because yeah that was that was the point in the game where, um, yeah, I was kind of amazed by that because I didn't really feel like, like they, they just sort of started pointing at the kind of Cthulhu mythos, um, Lovecraftian stuff in like very, very, very indirect ways, but it really felt mostly like werewolves and vampire hunters and like Victorian Gothic classic kind of stuff. And then I wake up in this jail and come out into, the the unseen village and the, and you know the 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 um 
the like title, you know, text title pops up on screen <laughs> that says the unseen village. And I'm like, the, like, okay, is this like, this is already sounding like it's a weird hallucination or a different dimension <laughs> or something. And then all of the statues have, you know, the classic like C- Cthulhu tentacle faces on them and everything. I'm just like, what? Like, it really yeah. is a turn where they're just like, oh, like, I, I remember thinking how powerful that was because it was pretty much, it was almost entirely unspoken environmental storytelling just of sort of like oh so this is what's going on in this game (laughs) uh and now when you return to it and you're playing through kind of like the meat of the gameplay part that you guys are talking about now you really are just sort of like all right so now i have to i'm not just trying to escape from this weird world i have to to figure out how to navigate it yeah (laughs) i mean back in the bergenworth episode when when we covered the jail uh (laughs) with uh danielle uh, what happened was, uh, you know, I kind of alluded to when you're kidnapped, you're not sure how far away you were taken, right? Like yeah. here is this weird place that feels a little bit like Yarnum, but you know, the, it's, it's so, so different. And mm-hmm. then when you, <laughs> when you kill uh dark beast, uh, Parl, I almost said Carl, um, <laughs> dark beast, Carl, it's a different, yes, different uh, dark beast entirely. Yes. Um, and, uh, go through and see the, uh, the, the, the that is adjacent to old Yarnum. Yeah. just that it places it right there and you know if you didn't you know do that before walking through into this um and seeing that yes this is literally just a neighborhood yeah. uh that is that 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 is so different aesthetically um well, it really that, does that, yeah that extended for me too because when i played it i was trying to to beat dark beast parl and i was just getting completely owned and then i think i i think i realized that i could like just like port out back to one of the earlier um, save points. I think I just kind of like bailed out of this part of the game entirely and went back and made progress elsewhere and then connected back into it from the world map later. And so like my first experience with the space was just like, like you were saying, I had no idea how it connected to the rest of the game. It felt like its own totally separate world. And it was amazing to see how it, fed back into you know the spaces that i was more familiar with like long after having first encountered it well, yeah. well it, sh- it should right like the idea of this place is not that it's like we we call it a neighborhood but it's not a neighborhood that like people in yarnum were aware of right. it's like this this whole idea of this like there's a part of the city we don't talk about and don't look at mm-hmm. you know like the fact that it's close you know actually makes it scarier yep you know, right. it, this is this is the like this is the human trafficking that happens in every major city. You know, this is like not the comparison in a video game to a real life tragedy, which I guess I just did and feel <laughs> bad about. <laughs> but um, it is I mean, it, it is it is like the dirty, like underside of a city that is actually hidden. You know, that yeah. hidden is not just uh, it's tucked away. It's also, you know, this has been going on for a long time. Like yeah. people in this area have been kidnapping people from Yarnum to use for this stuff for a long time, enough time to build a jail and build buildings and statues and, you know, all of that stuff. So it is something that people have turned a blind eye to for a really long time, especially, you know, like given the ties to the church, like the church has turned a blind eye to this. Like it has this this whole idea of corruption in uh, like a, a structural sense as opposed to just corruption as like space fungus and you know, seats, crystals and stuff like that that we've seen. Like this is, you know, this is like, oh, you know, we saw the government and and the church, you know, burn down old Yarnum. That sucks. Oh, wait, like they have been sanctioning a city that like is, you know, this this <laughs> compound that functions to to do violence on their citizenry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That just feels, you know, way grosser and, and more corrupt to me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Than that did. Yeah. Um, if Yarnum, then, if Yarnum was a suburb, Yahargul is like the movie that uh, David Lynch would make about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine the the beginning of Blue Velvet with an eye in the yard, <laughs> then an ear, and and that's it. Um, <laughs> since we since we killed Rom, um, a lot of things are different. This ushers in the Blood Moon, um, which one like that's you know Rom was the bulwark that that stopped us from being able to get there and and you know kind of trans. Uh, get to the the nightmare we're ultimately going but it also kind of changes these phases in the city so there's some things that are a little bit different um going on um like right after we kill rom we wake up in that uh that forbidden chapel which is somewhere we could have been before um if we had the tonsil stone um we could have gone here as we mentioned um but this we can actually just kind of run through if we want to and uh as we mentioned before if you have high enough insight you see this but if you're wandering around the cathedral ward there are amygdalas everywhere yep (laughs) And right. that is so good. Like they've always been there. <laughs> we just didn't know enough to look for them, um, which is one of my favorite cosmic horror tropes of <laughs> all time. Like it is my yeah. one of my favorite things. Um, and that, and that think, was a real shocker for me. Yeah, I think it's a really cool um, implication of how they decided to to define or translate or, you know, wherever the, the terminology came from, but calling that resource insight because you know in like a in the cthulhu kind of mythos idea it 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 almost it it has like a parallel to like the idea of sanity you know in a lot of cthulhu mm-hmm. games it's like oh your sanity uh uh points are depleting so you're going to go insane but the fact that they didn't call it sanity it's not like you're seeing these things because you're losing your mind you're gaining like more insight into what like how this world actually functions and that's why you're seeing all this madness around you, I think is a really interesting um, way of framing that part of what I think this fiction is, uh, is partially about, you know, I think it, it lands better than if it was just a sanity stat. Right. Yeah. It, it's borrowing two, like it, it's two aspects of like the, the tabletop call of Cthulhu game where you have your san- Like this is dorky. This is, this is, <laughs> this is a real beat up Gary statement. I'm going to make here in a moment. <laughs> Um, but you, you have a because you have that sanity, which is just something that just goes down. And uh, the way it works is the more it goes down, the faster it goes down uh, in the tabletop game. Uh, but then you also have a, a mythos score. Um, and that's what this is, which is that when you see crazy shit, your mythos score goes up and that allows mm. you to kind of gain this knowledge. But it makes you it you know, it, you're more likely to see these things for what they are and more right. likely to take sanity hits. Which also happens in this game. The way they reflect it is your frenzy resistance goes down as your your insight goes up. Oh, so right. has oh like man, gr- I didn't even know that. That yep. must have been why the Nightmare Frontier gave me so much trouble. That, that <laughs> wasn't I, why. That was probably one reason why. That's, that's, that's one reason. But yeah, I didn't. I I had been a lot for a lot of my playthrough. I was just letting insight build up, basically, yeah. to see what happens. But I did not realize that that made frenzy hit you harder because I definitely encountered some frenzy enemies that it was just like half a second and I was owned. <laughs> yeah, the amazing thing about insight, and we talked about this last time, but just it bears repeating is that like, there's no benefit to insight. <laughs> like yep. we're, we're trained to think of it as, you know, the, the corollary in other souls games would be humanity, which is a huge benefit to carrying around a lot of humanity um, on you, uh, at least in dark souls one. Um, but it, there's no benefit to insight. And that just yep. ties in really well thematically. Like that's not going to make you safer no matter what. You might know the truth, but it's not going to help you. Yeah. And that's, you know, Lovecraft in, in a nutshell, really. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, and, and this this kind of uh, this brand new revelation that's hit the world is affecting everybody. It's not just not just us. Yeah. You know? 
Like this is this is the natural result of like the nightmare progressing and of this ritual by bringing down this blood moon. This is hastening uh, the transformation of anybody who has uh, kind of communed with the old ones in this way. And so as we go around, we can see how this has affected like a bunch of our old friends and even people who we've never seen. Like when you walk up to doors and knock on them, instead of hearing somebody saying, go away, outlander or whatever, there's going to be yelling and screaming and just people losing their minds. Yeah. Every, everybody's going going insane at mm-hmm. this point. Um, Gilbert, I don't know if this is the the only trigger for it. I feel like it might happen earlier than this, that Gilbert turns into a beast. Hmm. Um, but Gilbert will break out. Did you, I see just for the notes, I'm not sure if you did. Did you fight him, Cole? No. Okay, you, you can. Hmm. You can show up where when he's there oh, um, wow. and actually fight him um, as a beast. Like, he turns into a beast huh. that's there. Where and, is uh, that? Is that in, um, is that in Yarnum, like, near the beginning of the game? Yeah, yeah. He's okay. the first time yeah. you see you can, you can run into, actually. That's what I thought. Okay, because I, I only fought one human that turned into a beast, but he was on a rooftop near the like forbidden woods. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the beggar. Yeah. So that's a different guy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. This also causes, this doesn't have anything to really do with the blood moon, but it also is the trigger for Eileen's storyline uh, wrapping mm. up. So we should probably talk about her just a little bit. Yeah, so you find her kind of in a, in a heap outside of the Grand Cathedral, which is, you know, convenient because you're right here anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, she has continued hunting hunters, as she does, and uh, she mentions that she probably bit off more than she uh, could chew with this uh, mark who is inside the Grand Cathedral, this uh, bloody crow of Canehurst. Yeah, and uh, this is one of the toughest <clears throat> hunter fights in the game, I didn't beat it until my most recent playthrough, and it was really tricky. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think this fight is really, really tough. Um, he uses the the Chikage, which means that if he transforms it and uses it, it will drain his HP. Mm-hmm. And only mm. by just dodging around a lot and letting him do a lot of damage to himself did I manage to, to beat this uh, fight. Yeah. Uh, very, very hard, though. Um, he, just, yeah, he does so much damage. Even just like a pistol shot from across the room does, you know... Yeah. 40% of my health. Uh, um, I th- I think that NPCs and enemies in general have their thumbs on the scale as it when it comes <laughs> when it comes to uh uh firearms damage. Yeah. Yeah. I am um, um, I I kind of I kind of both had bad and good luck uh with Eileen in my playthrough because I didn't trigger her properly. I like I missed some opportunity to start her quest line. And so if you do that then later on in the game you just have to fight her directly. Um, and so I was like, oh, shit, all right, well, I do want her cool gear. Um, but she was, like, kicking my ass when I first uh, encountered her, so I ran off and then came back. And this was, like, not long after the game had been released, and I discovered afterwards that I'm pretty sure I beat her by that bug where if you, like, let the if you left the game in idle mode for long enough yeah. bosses would just like stop doing attacks basically but it was the first time i encountered it so i was just like oh man i'm doing really good in this fight <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i basically like i I, don't, I think i wouldn't have exploited that bug if i knew it was happening but i i also don't know if i ever would have beaten eileen directly if not for it so um i accept the uh, the offering from the from the bloodborne gods on that one <laughs> <laughs> from, from, from ram the vacuous chip yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah it, it is uh uh i've 
I never had it with with this character. I only had it with a couple bosses, one of which we're we're coming up on soon, which like <laughs> is very tough without that glitch. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, uh, if you beat this this bloody crow of Canehurst, um, she will pass on, and you can become the hunter of hunters. Um, which is kind of like a covenant, but really, I think in the fiction, there's just supposed to be one yeah. at a given mm. time. Um, and she gives you the the hunter of hunters badge, uh, which is really good. That increases your stamina or stamina. Regen, um, you know, uh, makes that faster, which is great. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's kind of a sad story. Like she, she makes it, she decides to retire. Um, it didn't have the impact on me that the Alfred, yeah. um, and, and Annalise story did that we talked about, like it, and I didn't have as much impact as any of the dark souls one NPCs did for me. Like, it's like, okay. Like she's kind of old. Yep. I get it. But I, I wasn't that impressed with it. Like I like her design and I like her voice actress, but I wasn't that into her actual arc. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, it's just just personally, um, all of the 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 ladies um, who we run into are are definitely having problems as well. Um, Ariana is doubled over in pain and just kind of moans, and uh, will no longer give you blood. Um, there's a climax to this storyline, which is really really, so you know, like just really really absurd, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and 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 surprising, which we'll we'll talk yeah. about um, next episode. Yeah. Um, and then the flip side, Ariana's coin, Adela, uh, since she is really associated with the church, uh, she just goes out of her mind. You, know, you find yeah. her outside of the out of the chapel and um, she knows that even though your blood is tainted, she can't help herself and she just straight up attacks you. Yep. 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 Um, the, uh, the if you go back to the hunter's dream, it's a little bit darker now. Um, the, I the love of the skybox. Yeah. It looks yeah. really good. Um this, and I think this this little bit you have again in the notes, and I'm not trying to uh, to Monday morning quarterback you on this, but I don't think this is triggered by this. I think this poem that she does can happen earlier. Okay. And it's uh, it's somewhat random, but the the doll reads a poem every once in a while. If you can find audio, you should cut it in because it's pretty neat. Oh, Flora, of the moon, of the dream. Oh, little ones. Oh, fleeting wheel of the ancients. Let the hunter be safe. Let her find comfort. And let this dream, her captor, foretell a pleasant awakening. Be one day a fond, distant memory. Um, I think the one thing that, so I just, I noticed that this playthrough, so I threw it in there. Um <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, but uh, there she her dialogue, you know, uh, on most of the moon phases, she ends up uh, changing them uh, a lot of the mm -hmm. time. And this time uh, she's really kind of fixating on your blood echoes. You know, she says mm -hmm. that uh, the scent of them soothes her again, kind of playing into this minor theme of of of, uh, of scent being important in this world. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hit up uh, Ghoul. Do it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, when you are spawned back into this uh, fountain in the hidden chapel, you see this uh, doorway open up in front of you. And when, when, when you walk through there, you see what, I mean, aside from the, a couple of other skyboxes, must be one of those one of the most metal-looking sites <laughs> that you see in the game outside of the nightmare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, there, and there is a lot of uh, heavy metal album cover in this game, so that's saying something. Yeah, yeah it's it definitely, this, this is a good one, though, too. Mm-hmm. This is this is one of the weirdest sentences you've ever written, Cole. 
Um, the light has a red hue, and there's a gigantic amygdalas clinging to the side of every building taller than a Pizza Hut. Yeah. Which I didn't realize was like a unit of measurement or like expression. Like, it's a pretty like, standard architectural term. I'm yeah. Sure. No, it's what, is it? Like six sure. Pizza Huts. Yeah. Like uh, how, how many pHs is it? Gary, yeah. it was like one o'clock last night when I was writing this. Yeah. I like to have fun. You know that. Yeah, I, I know. Just, yeah. I just very funny. But it's super creepy <laughs> to have them just passively clinging to the side. I mean, you see yeah. them in the cathedral ward, but you're kind of kind of like down in the buildings. You never have a good vantage point. But when you step out on these plazas, you're actually seeing, you know, these, these Yahargul buildings that just have them sticking onto the side. And you're never sure if they're just going to, like, pop off like locusts and come at you. They're just yeah. menacing you and breathing ever so slightly. I knew it. So I know at some point I tried to, you know, uh to bother them, you know, mm-hmm. tried to like aim a, a ranged weapon at them or something. Um, and I think that they, cause, cause I was thinking there's the one early on, um, that at first when you encounter it, it's invisible and it just picks you up and then slams you to the ground and you don't know what happened. And then when you come back, you can see it. And so I, I was like, can I, can I provoke these things somehow? Mm-hmm. But they, as far as I could tell, they're just totally passive and, and shrug you off and pretend like you're not even there. I think that there are only two who can like directly interact with you here. Mm-hmm. And we'll, and we'll yeah. talk about that when we get there. But uh, yeah. I mean, it's just the implication, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's unsettling. It's sort of, it's like, uh, yeah, these giant predators sitting there just sort of like not knowing whether they're going to do anything is the most effective thing about them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like every time you walk by them, it's, it's terrifying. And like what it reminded me of is um, in the, the basement of Latria, in uh, Demon Souls in, in uh, 3 2, when you're down on the swamp and you have to walk over those tentacles. <laughs> and it's like, oh, these things are going to hit me, right? Like, that, that's what's going to happen. These things are going to attack me. And they never do. So, like, every time you walk under one of these, I'm just like, oh shit, like, it's going to grab me or it's going to do some kind of new attack. Like, I'm already fighting, being overwhelmed by these, like, blood phantoms. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm fighting this thing. Great. You know, <laughs> fuck me. Um, but then, uh, you know, it just never happens. So it just has that anticipation, which I really, really love. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you're walking down into this and you're getting a little bit more, a little bit more detail. Whereas a lot of the statues we've seen uh, so far have been people with kind of obscured eyes. Now we are seeing these amygdala statues out in the open, whereas before they were just inside the Grand Cathedral, um, mm-hmm. kind of along with uh, some of these just ghastly, ghastly statues of what we're going to find out later are the cramped coffins, but just kind of these amalgamations of corpses, like reaching out of the ground like fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it gets really, uh, it gets very, very horror in this part, you know, just sort of like unsettling uh imagery which is which is an interesting progression how much they do with the statuary specifically and how much they say with um with these carvings and sculptures yeah and and it's not even and when you start running into the people as well that's that's a really striking image yeah uh, the you know you run into the, this uh, mummified body in the middle of this plaza who has this cage over his head and uh these mensis cages which we'll, we'll learn about later when we eventually get one of our own um <laughs> remind me of like turn of the century fringe science like they do right. something from like road to wellville yeah. you know like do your laughing exercises on one of those belts that just jiggles you while, <laughs> yeah, or while wearing you, a cage um, if you, you watch know? francis ford coppola's uh 
Bram Stoker's Dracula when they're in mm-hmm. the uh, when they're in the the asylum. There are people who specifically have these kinds of cages over their head because it was oh, a turn yeah. of the century like way to deal with a crazy person. It's just mm-hmm. oh, put this cage over their head so they can't bite anyone. Yeah, like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. yeah, or like what it looks like to me is uh, back in the era of black and white film when all makeup was done in like garish clown um, kind of uh, <laughs> kind of stuff. What they were trying to do is use that to you know make certain features stand out on 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 film when it was shot. But mm-hmm. the, in order to make uh, symmetrical features, the 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 key guy behind all that kind of like pancake makeup uh, developed something that looks a lot like this. That was just this massive cage that stuck over an actress's head that lets you set the dials and the flanges to where you could apply and create this illusion of perfect symmetry it looks absolutely oh. horrible wow yeah yeah i, I, I haven't seen, seen that, that but that sounds fascinating yeah it's really striking though mm-hmm. um and then they do that thing where you see one of them and you think that it might be significant and then you see a couple more and like oh this isn't significant and then you see so many that it becomes significant again right it's like oh, everybody has one of these it's not like it's not haphazard like it yeah. is you're trying to tell us something about the citizenry here mm-hmm. yeah well and you guys um you talked about the uh Kanehurst castle already right yeah. um because something that i mean you know whatever i uh I, I i got my my minor in art history uh at portland state um and what was really striking to me about Kanehurst was there's statuary all over the game you know earlier in Yarnum and everything and, and like you were saying it's these um figures that have like veils over their faces and um and other sort of uh affectations like that but when you're in Kanehurst a lot of the statuary is just straight up like classic like catholic imagery with mm-hmm. no alteration whatsoever and just being mm-hmm. able to say like this place has a very different like set of values and kind of background than the other places you've been just through what the iconography that they keep around them Mm -hmm. is like, I was surprised by that particular detail because it felt so one-to-one with our own like real world that it kind of (laughs) made a connection to the reality we live in, in a way that doesn't really exist anywhere else in the game. And I feel like that spectrum of like, Oh, what the game is saying is that all of this stuff in the fiction kind of exists along with, our real world experience and like some (laughs) reality you know is shared with this bloodborne uh mythos is really really fascinating to me kind of a growing thesis across the show here is as we go to these different areas you know as we've been to canehurst and as we've been to old yarnum and and whatnot is that we're we're looking at the ways that these different civilizations all responded to the same phenomenon Right, you know, and even down yeah. into the, the 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 different ways that the that this church, the different sects, have kind of uh, brought it together, and I think that yeah. that is supported in the text that like we're supposed to be noticing these differences. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you continue, um, you start kind of they start kind of trickling in uh, these, you know, just uh, regular Yarnamites that we fight, but some of them are also these kind of blood phantoms mm-hmm. here, where uh, they will respawn. Continuously, mm-hmm. right. and they introduce the respawning enemies way before they actually re- introduce the the bell ringing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, and, and they respawn in a way that's really unsettling and makes you just think that this is how life will be now. Yeah. There's a swirling portal out of the ground, like the mad ones from um, from Hemwick, um, and then just here comes an enemy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so we're up to the set of stairs here, um, the stairs of the false gods. 
<laughs> uh, or we can go to the widow's requiem well the, 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 the widow the widow's requiem is after the stairs of the false gods oh, okay. i have no yeah. idea if the people who made the guide were just making stuff up i, be... I hope so <laughs> yeah. yeah me too like just emb just saying down like just what what sounds cool <laughs> yep. yeah because um, that definitely sounds cool <laughs> um, but but you head on onto these stairs of the false gods and uh it's this really harrowing gauntlet of you know a mix of real enemies and phantom enemies um, ranged and close attackers um, down into this little darkened room where there are more enemies to ambush you when you get in there. Um, <laughs> it's really tricky. Yeah. yeah. Getting down here. And they're actively encouraging you not to dally on this. Like, I, I can't imagine like luring them out one by one again because of the responding enemies. But if you stop anywhere along this, one of the amygdalas perched along the side of this uh, widow's requiem, this, this jail building will reach down and frenzy you like pick you yeah. up and warp you back up to the plaza. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, I think you're not, I mean, you're not supposed to. Everyone ran through this, and the fact that they have the respawning enemies um, makes me think that that's the intention, mm -hmm. at least, you know, for until you can kind of get a toehold and, and, and get some of these bell-ringing women. Nope. Um, but initially, I think that you're just supposed to just run, and, like, that kind of plays into the, when we're talking about the statuary and how uh, metal and unsettling the atmosphere is, if you're just supposed to run through this and not stop and take a look mm -hmm. at it, like just imagine how much creepier it is if you're only you're never getting a good <laughs> glimpse of it. Yep. You know, yeah. like you you run past the statue, you don't actually stop and look at it. Like I stopped and looked at it because I I do this show. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but if 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 not, like I'm just like, oh, I saw that statue out of the corner of my eye. That's way mm -hmm. scary. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and they they're trying to I think encourage you just to to sprint through. Yeah. Uh, I mean the the way that they use the way that they communicate that kind of stuff purely mechanically by just saying like. Yeah, if you try to hang around here, these enemies are just going to keep coming. You just need to get out of here. But in in such a um, I don't know, just a, a, a an intuitive way, you know, like the game, what's happening is speaking to you and, and kind of reinforcing the experience you want, they want you to have mm -hmm. is is really really impressive. Yeah. And contrast that with the fact that this is one of the more kind of brightly lit areas of the game. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if this was yeah. dark, you would have missed it. But they have it right there, so that <laughs> you know, <laughs> even if you're running past it, you're going to catch it in your periphery, in the dark, blurry side of your, you know, corner of your eye, and uh, it's going to leave that impression. Doesn't matter if it's you know subliminal or you know what. Right. Yeah. It, it deals with light and darkness, like both, mm -hmm. because you you go, you know, there's no electricity, so you, I mean, you're going into interior and exterior locations, and whenever mm -hmm. you're outside it's bright and you have to sprint. And whenever you're inside, it's pitch dark and you're kind of punished for sprinting mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's where they set up the ambushes. And that's where they set up, um, you know, the kind of the honey pot, you know, kind of there's a, <laughs> there's an item, but there's a guy right. behind you up on the ledge. Um, so it's just really interesting the way they play with those two things. Um, whereas like, if you're in the dark, uh, you really need to like take your time here. Like at the bottom yeah. of these stairs, if you just run in, you're going to get shot by the guy <laughs> who's right on the corner there. And then there's another guy around the corner with a pitchfork. And it's very easy. Like everything from this point in the game hits really, really hard, yep. mm -hmm. which is something I don't like about Bloodborne, mm -hmm. <laughs> where like at a certain point, everything like 40 percent is the minimum amount of damage that something can do. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to get comboed to death um, in any area in this any part of this this area. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember I just got. Yeah, I got trashed on a lot in, in this part of the game, especially <laughs> by. Yeah, just like I mean, it's the classic souls thing of like I would die and then just want to kind of like get past the horde of scrubs at the beginning so they could get yeah. further into the part and then 
they gang up on you and the game's like, no, you need to actually slow down. But like, because <laughs> they can just basically stun lock you into being dead in seconds. If you just let one of them catch you, it is really unforgiving for sure. Yeah. Um, down in this little room, um, we run into the first, uh, kind of bell ringing, ringing woman and not the sinister woman who rings a sinister bell. This is a different mm-hmm. sinister mm-hmm. woman who rings a different sinister bell. Um, <laughs> Similarly sinister. Yeah. And and this this obviously recalls um, again Demon Souls mm-hmm. um, with uh, the Shrine of Storms with those those are uh, you know characters those Reapers that that spawned yeah you know, ghosts yeah it's not as kind as the uh, 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 who's at the catacombs because those necromancers at least have the courtesy to stay dead <laughs> yeah and and you could you could ameliorate it with the divine weapons and mm-hmm. here there's no, there's no such way to do it. No. Um, you're, you're in these interior areas, which are, are really dark and have cages instead of walls sometimes, which are really interesting again, in a way that kind of recalls like old sanitarium, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a kind of, kind of setting, which I think is super neat. Um, yeah. down, this is the, you know, the widow's requiem, <laughs> uh, um, would you, you, you head on over to the cheerily named sacrifice square <laughs> Yep. Uh, after getting there's, past there's, there's fans of the PC game of the same name <laughs> yeah. untoward about it. They just love third person rts's this is this, this is our ball um yeah. oh wait no I, i'm thinking of sanitarium because you said sanitarium earlier yeah. um, but uh yeah uh did, did you guys have trouble with these uh upgraded brick brutes or minions or whatever they are the red ones i i don't i don't remember those guys <sighs> being my biggest problem just because they still have a pretty um i felt like a pretty like readable pattern you know um but I mean, everything in this area killed me at some point. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it might just be because they, you're you're fighting in more cramped quarters. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they they definitely gave me gave me some fits, especially when they're mixed in uh, with other enemies. But uh, this sacrifice square uh, is a really striking set piece because there's a treasure room over here, but we'll get there in a different, cooler way later. The main fixture of this is this uh, kind of place where a couple of grave women are, are dancing in a circle with an amygdala perched over top of this long stairway, shooting exploding lasers up it. Yeah. Yeah. That was that part got me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the, that was one of those parts where I was really uh, grateful that I was streaming and that there were people with more knowledge than I was uh, in the chat because I, I came into this area and yeah, they really pile it on because there's this exploding laser pattern going up a flight of stairs that you can't see down until you're on the stairs and there's respawning enemies surrounding you as you approach. And it's just, so extreme and and I, I i died a bunch of times and uh and the people in chat while i was streaming just started putting in chat just like left left stay left left on the stairs <laughs> and i was like all right and so i just like sprinted down the stairs hugging the left side and like the laser just kind of like just goes right around you if you do that and i survived and like dove past it at the end uh <laughs> but i don't know how long that would have taken me if i just had to try to like read the laser pattern while there's respawning enemies oh. punching you in the back like it's yeah. insane <laughs> yeah but the one thing is i like that you could have fought the the capital a amygdala before this and knew how the laser worked mm-hmm. yeah you know because yeah. it's the, it's a really you know it's the same attack um but if not you know either way one encounter can kind of prepare you for the other which is kind of cool yeah yeah um you know uh, but it is it's just such a hard set piece and it's because of that those respawning enemies like you can't take your time at any point in this this section of the game 
um, unless you just dutifully like clear everything, which I did because I wanted to, to fully explore it. And it was just so hard and, and, yeah. and, you know, tedious to cl just clear everything and then come back mm -hmm. and you can never, you know, never clear the amygdalas, you know, the stairway yeah. will never be safe. Yeah. Um, uh, and if you know where the bell ringer is in that part, then you can get to them and take them out. And then the respawning guys are gone. But even in this case, as I remember, you have to like jump down off of the side of the stage onto a balcony and like go underneath this area to get to the bell ringer. So they like even hid the bell ringer super hard, basically yeah. just to like encourage you just to try and get the fuck through this area without dying. It felt like really devious. So I'll put this question to you guys. Is this an intentional kind of like echoing or repetition of like the, uh, the Hellkite bridge in, uh, in, in dark souls or even like one, two in, in demon souls from tradition of just putting seemingly impassable um stuff on bridges with these uh ambushes. <laughs> now that you mention it <laughs> uh, yeah, it does I mean, seem it's... like a like a theme that that they uh <laughs> that they like upholding yeah they, i mean they always want to put some kind of choke point you know that that is uh like it's also kind of recalls the archers going back mm -hmm. to what steve was talking about where like it is just a really really intimidating you know one you know choke point in a yep. level like they, they like to do that at about this point in the game mm -hmm. the weird thing about i guess one two is the exception there in, in demon souls but like it does feel like that hellkite bridge it does feel like the archers like a little bit um yeah the yeah. um you should go you should need to explain that man this it, <laughs> i'm talking about it, it's gonna sound like i don't like the area which i do but i'm frustrated by the fact that like you can't take your time here but if you do you're really rewarded mm -hmm. um because this little broken railing to the right is really important um, mm. you know, if you can head down there because it unlocks one of my favorite optional areas in the game, um, <laughs> you know, you head off this little broken railing and you can get this uh, key to the upper cathedral ward, which is super cool. Like I love the upper cathedral ward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you can also get, if you're playing a, a sorcerer in this, uh, an arcane build, you get the, the tiny tonitrus, mm. which one is cute, <laughs> two, um, is a really good spell. Um, mm -hmm. so it just, it, it is, but I missed it a lot. Yeah. Because I was too, you know, terrified and too much in a hurry here. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit out of the frying pan and into the fire, too, because even if you run past this, you're going to get into the chapel proper. And usually familiarity is a good thing, right? Like <laughs> I, it's 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 a little bit the eco effect. No matter how far afield I go, if I see something I can ground myself to. Awesome. Great. Like here it is. But everything here has changed as well, including, you know, the the, the part of this that you can even get into. Yeah. Yeah. So this this is where we could have teleported out if we first got you know, bag napped. Mm -hmm. Right. Here. Somebody, somebody has broken this lantern, which like one, they can do that. Like that's, <laughs> no, I don't care for that. <laughs> um, but two, this, this is another one of these, just like, you know, if you go down this, these chapel stairs, one of these like legendary encounters <laughs> in, in this section of the game where you fight three hunters at once. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is some bullshit. <laughs> Man, is this hard? And like, it's hard I, to the point I think I where I like, ever kill, I think I only ever ended up killing two of them. I think the third one, I just like left him there because he was too much of an asshole. <laughs> they, they stay dead, which is great. Yeah. But like, I can't, like, I can't play this part the way that I think Bloodborne wants me to play Bloodborne, where like it's fast and I'm really in there because you can't like get up in the action here. Mm -hmm. If you're fighting one guy at all, like the other ones are, are, hitting you Didn't and the, the consequences are so high like the, everybody does so much damage to like the only way i fought these guys is just kiting them around the stairs forever exactly you know, yeah you know, i think i it, think in i i pulled 
one of them each time and just like took him out on his own. And then the third guy, even one to one on one, he was just too much of a pain in the ass. I just forgot about it, but it, it's kind of bullshit. Like I, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of think it's really, really shitty to like, but because the hunter fights are really fun when they're one on one, it's like I'm fighting an equal. They have the same moveset that I do. I can stagger them and stuff like that. But the three on one and they do the one, if you're coming from here, they do chain pull. If you pull one of them, usually somebody else will notice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You can come in through the back and get a backstab on one and fight them one at a time or two at a time rather than three. But, like, I hate this fight. Like, I, <laughs> I beat it. Like, it's not like I can't do it. It just it forces me to play in a really unfun way to get through it. And I would love to hear somebody, if anybody's listening, um, write in and, like, defend this and say, like, no, I thought it was really fun. Because I <laughs> don't think it's fun. Like, I think this is a really shitty encounter. Um, I don't know if you guys feel strongly about it but this made me really mad while simultaneously like it it's like i got through it i just got through it in a way that forced me to do it in a not very fun way yeah i I think it might have been the cannon and rifle spear guy that i never took out because he just one-shotted the shit out of me all Mm -hmm. the time you know uh i was just like all right fine if you want to give this guy a weapon that he can just one-shot me over and over again it's sort of like congratulations game you figured you figured out (laughs) yeah Oh, it's all numbers. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the Beast Claw guy gave me fits, too, because he's so aggressive and so just yeah. up on top of you that, um, you know, you, you want to take out the, the cannon guy, but this guy's always going to be on, you know, on your periphery getting shots in until you're down. Yeah. In, yeah. In the lore, one of these guys, these, uh, one of these guys is wearing the Yargul, Yargul set, mm-hmm. which is uh, the hunter. They call it a hunter, but they're really kidnappers. Yeah. So these are these are just more kidnappers, but they're different from the the lanky bagman we've seen before. Mm-hmm. I see. And also different than the executioners. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, you know like this could be a like it's a boss encounter. Like if you came here before, you have the ability to um, unlock the other you know the, the the door that's on the other side of this uh, of this broken lamp, and you can you can bypass this. Uh, which is mm-hmm. a very good reason to come here earlier, <laughs> but um, yeah. but yeah, this is uh, I, I haven't heard anybody defend this really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just. It just doesn't seem like. Again, it just that as much as I really love this game, like there are these points where like it wants me to play a certain way out of one hand, and then mm-hmm. the other hand it doesn't. Yeah, that just well, it, you know, it, seemed really it feels like they wanted this to feel like um, like kind of a return to. Um, Sorry, my, my terminology isn't going to be great, but there's the uh, there's the boss at the end of the the forest. That's the three hunters with different weapons that you yeah, have shadows. to fight all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I had a great time with that boss fight, and I was actually really lucky, and I cleared it my first try. But it was like just by the skin of my teeth, like it was so close. But I made it. And it's one of those amazing kind of like Souls game experiences of you just like just making it through. Um, uh, and it felt like this was sort of supposed to be like the next step up from that, but mm-hmm. they just made them kick your ass too hard and it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like. it, yeah. Just, it's just a numbers thing. Like the, the shadows of Yarnum don't one shot you, you right. know, until, like they, until their last third until the, until their last third. But usually by then, you know, that's part of the, the gimmick of the boss fight is mm-hmm. learning to focus fire. And cause if the last third, if there's one guy left, you're okay. Yeah. Like you right. can dodge one guy, one guy who can one shot me is not a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm used to that um the uh so like shadows yarn it's just a numbers thing mm-hmm. like and, and and it also just subverts the fact that you know all you know my a lot of my favorite fights in, up until this point have been hunter on hunter fights like mm-hmm. father gascoigne and the different hunters um and this is just not that yeah. you know yeah. it's like taking something that i thought worked really well 
and then just not doing it, like choosing to yeah. do something different. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's numbers, but it's also like the attacks that they chose to give them. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, because like the cannon, for instance, is a fast projectile with a really big splash damage. And it's like piling that on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I guess what I would say is it kind of shows how much just like even small decisions about like what kind of weapon the the enemy should have or what kind of movement pattern they could ha- they should have or whatever can kind of filter out to changing the entire uh kind of feel of the fight you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah and that, that flame sprayer got me a lot too like if i was fighting <laughs> one, I'd just get caught in the the fire and it's like well Ugh. fuck me i'm staggering the other guy killed me yeah. <laughs> um uh there's another detail um here uh that, that starts showing up right around here especially if you go down to the the, the jail cells and where you found like adela uh you start seeing these corpses of the of the of the snatchers of the kidnappers the bagmen, or whatever you want to call them hmm. um and uh, uh I, the, this is kind of the flip side of a coin that i that, that i really love you know when you have the boss that turns into a regular enemy and it feels super empowering Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, like later on in the game, like, yes, this used to be a huge, you know, they used to cause a lot of trouble for me, but now, you know, here they are just rank and file and this shows how I've grown. Um, this is a little bit the other way. Like these guys gave me fits early on, like they're a major threat for the first good chunk of the game. But now something is here and they're telegraphing that things are so dangerous that even these, uh, previously really tough things are just kind of like tossed like rags to the, to the corners <laughs> of these rooms. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. This is, I mean, I'll ask you guys this. Um, is this like a, is this a change in management? Because like, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think so. Like, as far as I can tell, like, this is still, you know, under the control of the school of Mensis. Like, I mean, I guess like most, like some of the Mensis people, you know, we know that Miko Lash fled mm-hmm. um, and that could have been what happened. So maybe he was holding something in check that was yep. managing these guys. But I just, yeah. I never really knew why these guys were dead. I liked the effect that Cole's talking about. But I couldn't tell narratively, like, what killed them and why. Well, am, am I right that when you come back through this area at this point, a bunch of the enemies along the crit path have changed? Like, that there are some that, like, used to be pigs, and now they're, like, way freakier yeah. monsters yeah. and stuff like that? So I felt like it was that, like, a stage of the nightmare had progressed and a bunch of stuff effectively, like, mutated and went wild and feral and mm-hmm. started killing some of the the things that had held power before because they had uh basically gotten out of control based on on the the progression of of what's going on throughout the the world yeah yeah that's my read too because those bagmen are already they they look kind of like kin a little bit Mm -hmm. you know they got the tentacles and stuff like that so i could see them not being as susceptible to the uh um, to, to, to the to the whims of the moon and having all this other stuff just kind of like yeah Mensis is still kind of in control but it feels a little bit like they like the reactors going going critical mass and nobody knows how to stop it yeah yeah sure yeah and I guess I I, I kind of answered my, my own question to an asking like maybe it just Mikulash had these things under some kind of thrall mm-hmm. and then just he decided to split yeah. um, I don't know I don't know the timeline for that exactly but I guess it doesn't really matter yeah yeah. Um, well, maybe when the when the moon started having more sway, he was unable to keep them under control, and that was like why he fled. And this yeah. is the result of it kind of breaking free of its bonds, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
<laughs> so we've we've been able to get to Main Street of uh, of Yahar Ghoul um, before, but uh, more of it is open to us now. As, as as Steve kind of alluded, the gigantic pigs are gone, and in their place we have these cramped casket enemies, which are these horrible grand faloons, just kind of. Uh, uh, carting themselves along in these uh, pine crates as they uh, uh, catch fire in this yellow liquid if you can uh, lure them into it. And they are very quick, um, and they will very much uh, uh, kind of overwhelm you. Did you know that they shot all the scenes on this main street on the Paramount back lot? <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, no, if you, if you go up and look, it's just one texture. It's forced yeah, perspective. It's, it's like yeah, the it's Hobbit. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not Paramount. That's Disney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, the, uh, when they, when you lure them into that liquid, which I, I found out on a more recent playthrough, it'll actually get rid of it. will use up the liquid, mm-hmm. which is oh. interesting. I don't know what that stuff is, but there's just like, there's a corpse burning in the middle of this like candle. Yeah. Um, uh, and then if you put one of these things in it, it will kill it and use up all the liquid. Weird. Um, it's a real weird little detail. And does the, does liquid come back if you respawn or is it just gone forever? I think it comes back. Oh, okay. Huh. How strange. Do, do yeah, you it's, also it's take weird. damage if you go into it? I forget. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. So the, again, this is, this feels a little bit like football, um, <laughs> kind of like the ROM fight where you are, you know, if you, if, if you're sprinting, like the game is encouraging you to do, you're having to pick your lines and, uh, uh dodge, mm-hmm. juke one way from a cramped casket and, uh, uh, zag another way to avoid this, uh, this liquid. Uh, fortunately there's another way you can go. Hmm. Yeah down there something i love like uh, right around by the uh the entrance to main street proper there's a lore note that says behold a pale blood sky and if you remember all the way back to the beginning of the game like you've been told to seek the pale blood mm. well this is it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah this is what you wanted yeah <laughs> happy uh yeah yeah that's yeah that's what this is called that's what the, this this state of the world yeah. the world is there's another one, and I, I don't see it in the notes, so I can't remember where it's at. There is a note somewhere in this area that says something like, um, we must stop the Mensis ritual lest we all become beasts. Yeah, that one, I think it's down in the uh, in the chapel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like so I, I was really curious about that one, what specifically the Mensis ritual was, as opposed to the other rituals in question. Mm-hmm. And, and and stuff like that like I, th- I think that i like thought that was really compelling like the pale blood sky thing i liked a lot mm-hmm. um but it was just like oh okay this is this is that great um and you know when we're told we get to kind of the ending and we start talking about our our feelings on w- what our agency was here and what we were meant to do and and things like that um that will all make sense like being told to seek the pale blood sky this falls in line with that um, that Mensis ritual, though, is really interesting to me, especially when you start thinking about like it being like maybe Mensis is not strictly in control here anymore. Yeah. Right. W- weren't we told to uh, to to seek the, uh, the 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 ritual baby or something like that? The nightmare the, newborn. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. But it says <laughs> nightmare like, newborn. It's such a good term. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And Getty's nightmare newborns. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but didn't it also say like secret ritual broken? I always assume that the uh, that the the the, the ritual was was the, the the you know the ritual and the mensis ritual were one and the same and it was trying to bring forward the moon through these uh mm. sacrifices and stuff yeah yeah it just we can't stop it it's already it's yeah. telling us to stop and it. it just happened like <laughs> the people in yarnum are turning into beast as we speak like they're moaning mm-hmm. and freaking out and stuff like that that's happening okay. mm-hmm. you know it's made like chronology is weird yeah yes yeah. um yeah. yeah so the um there's a high road and a low road um the high road is a little bit tougher and there's like, there's a teleporting 
platform <laughs> here like hmm. that is never seen elsewhere in the game yeah um, that messes with my sense of space actually really yeah bad. I, I, why is that there like i don't <laughs> i don't understand that at all mm -hmm. um and then there's an elevator you can find up there which is useful if you don't clear out those three hunters mm -hmm. if you clear out those three hunters it's quicker to run through that area mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. if not though the elevator is pretty good yeah um so there's some weird little shortcuts way late in this level <laughs> um yeah um so if you take the high road you also get access to this uh kick and rad tunnel that's lined with corpse <laughs> statues the statues Sick. are begging at the wall yeah like i love those statues so much they're like trying <sighs> yeah. to climb out like they're like they got frozen uh like the like the lava was rising or something like that like <laughs> right the, you know, the water was rising like i love that that image i love the way those look mm-hmm yeah, but uh, regardless, everything is kind of funneling you to this gigantic gate uh, that uh, looks like a fog wall. If you ever did see one, and this starts <laughs> um, uh, an amazing cutscene. Yeah, it, it's it's really really good. And um, introduces the the boss here. Um, so <laughs> and, it all, you know, and it also is sort of a preview of how the how the boss fight area works, right? Like it, mm -hmm. it it's both functional and uh, striking aesthetically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, and and is a a direct quote of another earlier uh, arena because mm -hmm. I mean this this is the end of of one two in Demon Souls. <laughs> like, this is the exact <laughs> arena of the Tower Knight, more or less. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, but you have these bell ringers. You know, they're they're wearing red this time. They have tentacle faces, unlike most of the, the other ones that we've seen. Um, and they're ringing these bells, and the Blood Moon becomes completely clouded over, not eclipsed, but just occluded by this by this fog. You know, telling you that it's something a little bit closer, and then. Uh, upside down this big dripping corpse monster falls <laughs> to the earth and mm -hmm. this is the one reborn And this is this is one of the most just like gross looking <laughs> creatures I think in certainly in all of Bloodborne because uh, yeah. it's it's one of the most just like macabre kind of uh, you know straight up just like oh here's a bunch of of like writhing bodies uh, <laughs> that are that are vomiting on you. <laughs> yeah. This is the gaping rotten tower, Nito. It, it is it's a long tradition of souls just throw a bunch of corpses <laughs> yep. together. Yeah. The um, yeah, it is, and it it's it is really gross, and it's also crude mm -hmm. in a yeah. way that I think is meaningful. Like if this is if the idea behind the one reborn is that like, so we know that they're luring people here. They've been kidnapping them for some purpose. We know that they've been experimenting with like jamming corpses together. Yeah, the entire <laughs> time. Like if you like one of the the inklings I have and and uh, you know for, forgive me if I haven't uh, had as much time this week to do the research I usually do, but is that like this is some kind of another version of like similar to Rom like this is another failed attempt at making a great old one yeah mm -hmm. you know like this is a bunch of people put together trying to make this thing and when we made Rom it ended up being this kind of idiot god mm -hmm. you know is how I read that like this is this is a, a creature that has no intelligence like yes it's a true great one but it like is is skittish <laughs> and and unintelligent and this being you know this is another attempt at that and it's just this grotesque monstrosity it's a mockery 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's 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 the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it, yeah. it is yeah. a mockery, uh, like assembling. Uh, a shambling semblance of of like a great one. Yeah. Well, what's funny again, the the, the way that different uh, organizations cope with this idea or go after the same goal. You know, Bergenworth had Rom. You know, they, they they ascended that way. You know, she got her eyes right. Um, the Healing Church, or at least the choir, rather, they have their own. Like they 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 got one of the original factory models. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And this is the culmination of like Mensis's you know idea and this tells you everything you need to know about about mikolash and kind of like just where all these body parts you've been finding are coming from like everything here is just so macabre yeah 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 it it feels it's it's very much almost like uh you know it it seems like part of the the backing of the fiction is is like you were saying seeing how these different groups with different um outlooks uh approach this same sort of problem of like trying to to achieve something like this and this seems like the version of like this is what this is what science hath wrought right <laughs> it's like a frankenstein's monster of a uh of, of a of a great one yeah. um but it's just an abomination <laughs> in, in practice you know science has gone too far yes yeah <laughs> they, they fulbright yeah. <laughs> it, the 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 school of men's is, uh we're too busy asking themselves if they could to ask themselves if they should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. It, and it is um, like fight wise. Um, it, it's like widely considered to be one of the easier boss fights in, in Bloodborne, like by mm-hmm. people who I talk to and kind of yep. scuttlebutt. Like if you know to go kill the maidens yeah. up I'd... top, which, which I knew because of, again, because of Tower Knight. Um, really so you know you run up to the side you, you kill the maidens because they will buff the boss and uh shoot projectiles down at you um actually fighting the boss is not my favorite thing like i don't i've never thought souls do giant monsters that well yeah uh, that was my feeling it, about it too is that he's not super hard he's just such a huge pile that is kind of hard to track uh you can't read you know, anything. how you should yeah. navigate around it yeah. also yeah. The, the camera is your worst enemy here like mm-hmm. even if you do take care of the uh the uh the, the bell maidens uh trying like that like you never can lock on to the part that you really want to lock on to right yeah yep. and and they 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 kind of make that a little bit worse by giving him that bullshit like corpse rain attack <laughs> which is where it just like pours corpses on you that do a lot of damage yeah yeah um and there's not, as far as I know, like, unless you know that's coming and just know to start rolling in a direction. Yeah. There's not really a way to dodge that. Well, it's, like, a, it, it's yeah. a sound cue, actually. Yeah. Like, like yeah. If, you, if, you, if you look, uh, there is a caster just kind of sticking out of the, the back of this thing, like a reverse quado, uh, <laughs> who, who starts casting that, and then that's what summons the corpse raid. Yeah. So, like, yeah. It, it's, you know, fair enough to put a, a sound cue in there. Like, I typically will listen to a podcast or something mm-hmm. while I while I play through a Souls game. Not on my first time through, but on subsequent times. Especially once I start dying and getting frustrated. Like, yeah. I need something to occupy my mind while I'm <laughs> grinding down scrubs yep. on my way to collect my souls, you know. You gotta listen uh, to something so your mind doesn't eat, devour itself. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I don't start contemplating my actual life <laughs> on my way to end this video game. On the, uh, so... I got very frustrated by that corpse rain attack, but mm-hmm. it's never never been that hard. Like you just stick to his sides and hit him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it, it yeah. plays like the fact that he's not that hard makes us sense because he's, you know, a, a shitty version of, of this, the real thing. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, like, he's it supposed to be like, kind of pathetic uh, in a way. Uh, he's disgusting and pathetic. Yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah. it made so Rom, maybe you should Rom feel bad. So hard. I, well, I, I do feel bad for him. Like he's he's, he's a sad pup. Um, <laughs> he's just a little baby. <laughs> yeah. 
So. Look at um, the eyes. Well, at, at first I thought, when I was playing this, uh, at first I thought he was supposed to be the quote-unquote nightmare newborn. Because it does really mm. seem like he's a giant, gross baby. Yeah, he's, <laughs> but he's, he's born, too. He, like, drips down from this aperture. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but you will you will discover that there is there is an even more nightmarish newborn uh, past this guy. But. <laughs> Gary, I'm going to challenge you. Can you describe the miracle of birth any more like Ed Gein? <laughs> <laughs> and drips down an aperture. Yep. You know when I, when I said that I was thinking about those um that those like those uh, MTV shows where it's like I didn't know I was pregnant. Where it's just like it's like it's like people just walking around and then they just sit down one day and have a baby on accident and it's just like whoops like look what fell out of me from mom you know um, that's what I was thinking about with the one we're born. Uh, yeah um so so yes also the name is a little bit like misguided right because the one like is this a uh you know a, a true one well no obviously how is it reborn then did it die no well, it was, actually it was the individual it, it was, components probably died yep yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a, it's being reborn a thousand times yeah each yeah, individual did, guy in there. How'd all, the, how'd all those guys get up in the moon? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I expected to believe in exactly. some kind of rocket ship? If we can put a man on the moon, can we put a one reward on the moon? <laughs> yeah. Can we put a lot of men on the moon <laughs> all at once? <laughs> and sew them together? <laughs> um, can we watch Jim Carrey and Courtney Loves the Man on the Moon? Yeah, that sounds like a good night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, and the Great Beyond is the name of the REM song from Ooh. that soundtrack, which is plays into the theme. So, <laughs> looking for right, answers from the Great Beyond. Yeah, we're pushing we're, elephants we're, up the stairs. Yeah. We are figuring out some deep. Like, this is some deep yeah. lore that no one else has hit on yet. <laughs> yeah. I am convinced of this. Uh, well, cue the the teens dirtbag conspiracy theory music. <laughs> if you send <laughs> me the stinger, I'll put it in. Yeah, um, I, I will. I but um, but uh, I, I'm going to point out here something that I love about this. It's not falling from the moon. It's falling from a cloud that is closer to the Earth. Mm, like it's yeah. a trick of perspective. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least that's the way that I read it. Like you know, we don't see it burn up on reentry. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him home. Um, <laughs> we want the Wonderborn. <laughs> I wonder how many tax dollars Yargul has wasted bringing back the Wonderborn um, <laughs> through all his different movies. Um, the uh, playing in so after you kill him, you just stick to his side and hit him. You know, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, uh, playing into the like again, just the pet peeve of mine with Bloodborne is that it doesn't do a good job rewarding the player item wise. Um, you get rotten or you get yellow backbones from him which is just a chalice dungeon item yeah. like it's not even a chalice like this doesn't even open up a level it just opens up a part of a level way later in the game <laughs> um, right. kind of a bummer yeah um, for, for a boss fight but the the thing that happens after i think is really cool yeah uh, we get into this advent plaza here <laughs> up into this uh, small room that yeah. is just lined with these cage bodies yeah, I remember this 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 area being so visually striking, and mm-hmm. and you know, like you were saying, the item payoff for clearing this boss uh, isn't great, but the kind of lore and uh, and, and this atmosphere of yeah. seeing what what he was guarding, I think, is incredibly uh, successful. When you yeah, see when you see the ones just out in the world, you think, okay, who did this to these guys? Right, yeah. like this, you know, he he was he was tied down. This was like a torture device. But you get into this room and they're all like sitting in an orderly fashion as though they were waiting to blast off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, oh, they're doing it to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, yep, yep. Um, pretty, pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty, pretty intense. Um, and then you can inspect the one in, in the middle there, which will actually take us to the next area of the game. Um, and presumably the one you're inspecting is Mikolash. Yep. Or his, his mortal remains, <laughs> as it were. Um, that's kind of become mummified and we'll, we'll talk about Miko Lash and the lore around that guy and stuff. Mm-hmm. When we get there. Yeah. yeah but, but I thought this transition was amazing It's great. because <laughs> as I remember, it, it's basically, it's, it's basically uh, this moment of you as far as kind of the, 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 some of the concepts we were talking about earlier of gaining this insight, you know, and, and being transported in a way that I think is different than any way that you've, uh, you've kind of uh, traversed this world up to this point. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, you know, we've, we've been uh, sucked into the lecture building before, mm-hmm. you know, as a thing, which is, which is all well and good. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that's cool. But a great one did that. This is just kind of through presumably the same method that Miguel Ash used, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing he's using this cage for to kind of like concentrate his thoughts or what have you. You're like you're doing that, which is, you know, has implications and is, is neat. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, so I, I really love that. And in the end, I really like this area, even though I do think parts of it are really frustrating. Yeah. Um, but it's made up for like the next couple of areas we're going to talk about in the game. I'm super into. Yeah. So like Bloodborne, if anything, like ends really strong, I think. True that. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that about wraps it up. Do we have any any wrap up or do we have any wrap up thoughts for uh, Yahargul, the Unseen City? I, oh, no, I mean, I, I, I agree that... Um that some of this there definitely there's definitely some stuff in this area that is uh a kick in the balls i guess <laughs> but uh you know i i really um enjoyed what this section of the game said about the game world and your place in it and how much it did um play with expectations you know like you were saying uh, it, it 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 did so much to either make you feel you know like harried and like you you were overwhelmed and just had to escape through um you know some of the the enemy setups and stuff but also like you were saying when um it 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 sort of removed other vestiges of safety that you felt like you had like when you returned to where there used to be a lantern and now it's destroyed and you're just like you know what isn't uh, (laughs) out of of bounds you know for this game to do like i thought that at least i could could rely on and so making you feel like you really were um, in this strange, uncomfortable place uh, at this point in the game's progression. I thought it was really effective, and it made this part of the the game very memorable. In, I think, uh, like, I, I agree with that. Like, I think that uh, even in spite of the problems I have, like, I think that in the end, when I look back on Bloodborne after we've completed it and everything, and and the DLC and stuff might change this, but one of the things I think Bloodborne does really well and continuously is drop the floor out from under you again and again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we, we've talked about like, it, it's comical. Like somebody could compile a supercut of us saying like, this is where shit gets real <laughs> because we say it at the beginning of like five consecutive episodes. We're like, <laughs> we thought it was about werewolves, but man, it's not. And we right. say that over and over and it's not, yes, it's us being idiots. Not you, <laughs> not you Steve, me and Cole. The, uh, but yes, it's us being idiots, but it's also the fact that the game just keeps doing that, like playing with that expectation and saying like, no, like, and, and it just underlines it so many times in a way that's really impressive. Like, yeah. it continuously surprises in the way it does does that. And that is something that, like, I think, you know, it does better than any game in the in the series. Like, that aspect is so impressive to me. And, like, 
just that you will never know security. Yeah. You know, like that you will never get into a rhythm. It's funny. We, yeah. we, we talked about Dark Souls 2, you know, in our text messages and even on the show um, about how this is a game that just kind of keeps on giving. Like it always felt mm-hmm. like there was this new there was something new waiting in the wings. And this kind of does that thematically instead of right. with, you know, kind of like with, space with just areas. Yeah. 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 That was what I was going to say is, you know, that that's what I really remember about my experience of um, Dark Souls was, you know, you're playing and you get to this new area and you're like, what the hell is this? And then you come around a corner and now you're in this crazy canyon with blue wyverns walking around everywhere. And you're just like, what the fuck is this? You know, and then you end up in in Sen's fortress and there's all these swinging blades. And you're just like, Jesus Christ. And it just, there's just keeps being like, you know, you just keep, keep unearthing layers and there's more and more mm-hmm. insanity underneath it. And I do feel like, what Bloodborne did was unify that feeling on, like you were saying, like a thematic and a, and and a unspoken narrative level um, to make it face the player kind of, I think, uh, in a way that kind of has more texture to it than just purely the surprise of a new crazy area. But it also is is continuing adding on layers of kind of what it means to be in this world in a way that feels like it has more of a through line i guess um than the other games in the series uh, as far as i perceive them yeah it's like an emotional level so, <laughs> you know um which which i just really really impressive and and this definitely definitely plays into that yeah yeah um, yeah so yeah that again just uh, as we wrap up um steve thanks thank you Again. Oh, absolutely. No, it was, yeah. it was a ton of fun to get to talk about this stuff. And um, you guys are making me really want to do another playthrough of Bloodborne. <laughs> and another play- I, wanna, now, every, I occasionally just like get this inspiration of like, God, I need to finally finish Dark Souls. And maybe someday, <laughs> maybe someday uh, I will achieve that. But these kinds of discussions remind me what's so um, exciting about really investing yourselves in one of these games. Yeah. yeah. Happy, happy to, to do that. That's, I mean, it works. That's part of why it works for us. And mm-hmm. We really want to share that. If um, if people are looking for you online, uh, where can they find you and find your work? Yeah, uh, you can just uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Fulbright, F-U-L-L-B-R-I-G-H-T. Um, or, uh, yeah, you can search uh, Gone Home Game or Tacoma is our new game. We've got websites up for those, and we've been lucky to get a bunch of like press coverage and stuff. So there's pretty good amount of information out there about Tacoma now. So, uh mm-hmm. Yeah, give it a look. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, can I make a recommendation on your behalf? Oh, by yeah. all means. <laughs> uh, people who are listening to this like podcasts. Um, I would recommend people go and uh, listen to Tone Control. Uh, that is a series that you did. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, yeah. <laughs> but but that that is a series of developer interviews that Steve did uh, on the Idle Thumbs Network uh, with people like Brandon Chung and Tom Francis. Those are like two really good episodes. But like all the way up to like Tim Schaefer and Clint Hawking. Like those are really yep. great conversations, um, and they're evergreen. So I would recommend people find that. Yeah, you can go to idlethumbs.net slash tone control, and uh, I did one season of those after we finished gone home i talked to 14 other well there are 14 episodes a couple Mm -hmm. of them i was talking to two people like uh greg kasevin and amir rao from supergiant talking about uh, bastion and stuff um and i am hoping and planning to do another season after we finish tacoma so uh fingers crossed about a year or so from now there will be some more episodes of that going up yeah yeah that's great thanks again guys thank you absolutely man Right. Uh, yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Take care. <laughs> Thank you.
so yeah so um we we let steve off the hook before we did our, our boring admin stuff um but yeah we you know we said it to him on air but for you know now he's not really here so you know we're telling the truth um what a, what a goddamn delight <laughs> yep. like, and also just like uh you know he made one of my favorite games and, and yeah. it was just a a very like he's actually a friend of a friend of mine mm-hmm. which is how i met him in real life and and was able to kind of reach out to him and i'm just really happy i did i feel very lucky yeah be able to uh, to do the show and, and have uh, him and, and people like him on it yeah we've been we've been very fortunate like um to have somebody like him on here talking about the indirect storytelling in these areas like huh i, I almost sarcastically said now indirect storytelling steve what's that yeah yeah what, what would you know about that <laughs> yeah. the um about environmental what, storytelling. Gives, like, what yeah. gives you the right yeah the oh. um yeah so it, it is uh and and the Everything, all of the praise when I was talking about uh, mm-hmm. my ridiculous amount of sugar I've talked about him is all genuine. Like, if anybody's listening to this and they don't follow Steve on Twitter or haven't played uh, Gone Home or Minerva's Den, which, yeah. like, I'm I'm angling to get on the Wikipedia as, like, the most fervent defender of Bioshock 2. <laughs> and Minerva's <laughs> Den is a big reason why, because yeah. it's it's really great. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's just, he did really amazing work and continues yeah. to do really, really amazing work. Like, Tacoma is probably my most anticipated indie game. Um you know up there with like afterbirth no for sure he does uh he does important and beautiful work and that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like i'm being facetious i am totally not what uh what are we doing next time Cole? gary next time we have a special episode after the appendix for this uh where we're talking about hp lovecraft indeed we're, yeah, we're, the, we're uh, uh right in the middle of lovecraft lovecraft country uh for this and mm-hmm. uh this is a good time to do it because it'll be around halloween yeah, and uh, Lovecraft is a uh, so we're gonna you know he's such a cast a huge shadow over really like a lot of modern horror, but specifically Bloodborne. Um, so we're gonna talk about some of those themes in general mm-hmm. um, a little bit, but we're gonna talk about three specific stories uh, during that. And uh, I you know people who follow me on Twitter or on Slack or anything know how evangelical I am about the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. Um, it's not gonna be a retread of that. Um, we're gonna talk about these stories and kind of briefer form, and then also tie them into Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, so those three stories are The Color Out of Space, The Call of Cthulhu, and From Beyond. Um, yeah. Three, and, and it was difficult paring those down. Yeah. Like, there there is a little bit of, like, every major Lovecraft story, there's a little bit of it in Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, I, I can say with not really, like, that's not really an exaggeration. <laughs> um, so these were the three most kind of pertinent ones. Um, and, and they're really good, too. So if <laughs> uh, I can bring anybody to these stories, I'm happy to do so. Yeah, so those are mostly in the public domain. I think um, you can yeah, also they're all, you can read every every Lovecraft story online. Yeah, so everything in the public domain. The next mainline Bloodborne episode that we're going to do after that is going to be about the Nightmare of Mensa. So we alluded to that transition at the end of this, um, but um, uh, you're going to get that uh, with us, Gary. Do we do we want to announce the guest, or do we do we want to wait a little bit? Um, uh, the guest is going to be it's two. Uh-huh. Two people are going to be on that episode, which is our, our first for, or not first for us. We've had no. the Queen Humanities. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is going to be um, uh, David Pavlis, or Plavis from, uh, he is, he works for Riot Games. We had him on last season mm-hmm. and he's a delight. And joining us as well is going to be Scott Benson, mm-hmm. um, AKA at Bombsfall on Twitter. Um, two consummate bros <laughs> and uh, who uh, really happy to have out. Scott Benson's done a lot of Dark Souls fan art. Mm-hmm. stuff the uh the really adorable neato gift yeah. <laughs> walking to the right is him uh, so excited about that. and uh and he's he's uh you may know him from uh night in the woods which is the game he's working on mm-hmm. um but he's a delight and they're both uh 
unrepentant goofballs, um, <laughs> which you guys will remember from last season. So I am looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a good time. Uh, so uh, further admin stuff for the show. You're probably, if you're listening to this, out of time to participate in the Bonfire Side Cats campaign. That uh, is a benefit T-shirt that we've been selling to help Gary out of a tough spot. Um, uh, that'll be ending uh, on October the 11th, the day this comes out. So if you're listening to it the day of and you still haven't bought one of these shirts, go ahead and do that. And that helps Gary out. Yeah, you can you can rush there. And if you go to that website, it tells you what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so and there's kind of a silver lining to that, possibly like that might be being fixed, but it wouldn't be without people helping out. So right. thank you guys very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really appreciate it. Other than that, um, you can always uh, join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash DuckFeedTV. Um, ratings, reviews, blogging it, tweeting it, <laughs> doing it well. Yeah. Um, all of those things are are appreciated. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and what should they do until next time, Cole? Uh, they should seek the Nightmare Newborn. Mm-hmm. And silence its harrowing cry. We all pray that we will have far more soon. Oom, baby. <laughs> <laughs>